And good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Friday afternoon before the long holiday weekend. I am uh, excited uh, about today. We have here Jeff Napolitano, and I think we have some timely discussion Jeff has planned for us. We have a lot of discussion planned. Uh, And first, just to let everybody know, we are joined in the studio by two guests, uh, Rachel Weber, a local defense attorney, and Kate Glynn, who is with the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Massachusetts. And surprise, surprise, we're going to talk about uh, SCOTUS and the Roe decision. Um, But we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Um, And we're going to get right to it because we have a lot of ground to cover uh, the last week um, has been very busy. Um, I, I was actually here two weeks ago, and the topic... Every, everything's fallen apart since your last appearance <laughs> yeah. here, Jeff. Well, we were going... I brought some champagne, but I'm not going to open it because, you know, uh, it was going to be for when Merrick Garland uh, charged Trump or or other officials with crimes regarding January 6th, but um, alas, that has not happened. That leads us to our first installment of the Where's Mary? That's even more reason to drink. Right. Yeah, well, that's, uh, well, there's other things for for that. Champagnes for celebrating um, scotch or something is for these times. Um, So we're going to have a new segment every two weeks, just at the beginning beginning of the show, Where is Merrick? Um, And this is wondering when the Attorney General is going to do something about Trump and his band of treasonous pirates, or to put it charitably, at least. Um, so two weeks ago, we talked about that, we, you know, we'd check in about this. Um, this past Tuesday, most people, I think, are very aware about Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony to the January 6th committee, talking about Trump knowing of weapons that were in the crowd on January 6th, and, you know, wanting to get rid of the metal detectors and, and, and march to the Capitol. He wanted to actually march with the people to the Capitol, um, and that, not just that, but Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, Pat Cipollone, who's an attorney in the White House, and others were very well aware that they were doing something wrong. Um, and also uh, were part of the list of people who were requesting pardons after that day. Um, so we don't have any indictments that have come down, but there is some positive news um, for those who are desperate as I am for that. And that is that according to the Washington Post, uh, last week, John Eastman, um, this is the, the brilliant attorney uh, in charge uh, or re- responsible for heading up the false elector scheme, uh, had a, his cell phone seized uh, by federal agents. So federal agents, that means that that's probably associated somewhat with, um, with Merrick Garland. And then that same day, federal agents conducted a search. I'm reading from the Washington Post on June 27th. They conducted a search at the North Virginia home of Jeffrey Clark, uh, the former Justice Department official who Trump considered appointing to run the department because he was willing to um, go forth with this false fake elector scheme. So no indictments yet, but I mean, it's, it's not nothing. It's not nothing, you know. Okay. Not yet. I mean, it might be Robert Mueller brewing, but not oh, yet. Man. Okay. Yeah. Um, I f- feel badly for all of those. There are some people uh, on Twitter who had like displayed their, you know, their Robert Mueller tattoos that they got when they were sure, you know, that, that Trump was going to be brought up on crime. I feel sort of bad for them, but then again. Um, okay. So we're going to get, we're going to devote the rest of the, um, this segment and next segment to talking about the Supreme Court. Um, the first thing that we're going to focus on is the pretty horrible decision, and by that I definitely have to clarify, but the, the one regarding um, Roe versus Wade. Um, this is the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade, 
last Friday, I think it was. It's really hard to tell the days uh, apart at this point. Um, and a lot of things have happened. We're going to get to the official Democrats, uh, Democratic responses or lack of responses uh, in the next se segment. But first, let's talk about Massachusetts, because uh, Massachusetts is one of the states that has codified um, the protections of Roe. Um, and we have, as I mentioned, Kate Glynn with the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Massachusetts. So Kate, can you tell us what is happening in, in this state and what people here can do? Yes. Hi. Um, thank you for having me on. I'm uh, delighted to be in conversation and horrified at the state of the world in equal measure. Fair enough. Um, so in Massachusetts, we actually are, I have some, a, a rare glimmer of good news to share, which is very exciting. Um, again, it's been a week since the Supreme Court um, over, overturned Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision. Um, on last Friday, Governor Baker, um, it's rare for me to compliment Governor Baker, but he did a good thing. He signed an executive order um, protecting um, physicians and providers and a whole bunch of other folk um, in Massachusetts from um, being subject to other states' laws. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen in the news, there's a lot of... Uh, should we say, adjusting of the legal landscape that is happening um, around not only what can happen within state, but people um, persecuting folks in other states. Um, so Governor Baker signed a um, signed an executive order last week. And then just this past Wednesday, the House passed, passed a very exciting bill, um, bill uh, House Bill 4930, which is an act expanding protections of reproductive rights. Uh, it passed the House in a vote of 136 to 17, which is a great margin, uh, moves on to the Senate. And the good news is this bill actually uh, greatly expands our already um, are already codified protections. So in late 2020, the we passed the Roe Act, which codified the rights to reproductive justice into state law, passed with a veto-proof margin. And right before, like it was like December 29th, um, uh, we overrode the governor's veto at that point. Then this past Wednesday, um, a bill passed reaffirming the right to abortion and gender-affirming care into the Constitution. Um, this provides uh, legal protections for providers, people coming to Massachusetts seeking abortion care, and then also residents in Massachusetts who not only are receiving care, but also aiding in care. So for folks like me who work at the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Mass, our job is to take down barriers to care, so we pay for procedures. Uh, we work with other funds both across the state, the region, and the country to make sure that whatever barriers to care there are, such as payment, transportation, doula and emotional support needs, we take those down. So with, um, with this law, our work will also be protected. The other really exciting piece um, in this particular bill is that they have removed insurance cost sharing for abortion and abortion-related services. That means no co-pays, no cost sharing, which is, this is huge, guys. Um, so that's a very exciting move. So I'm feeling uh, a glimmer of optimism and hope um, that we have uh, a government in Massachusetts who understands not only the fundamental human rights, but also the additional barriers to care that already exist and that are coming from other states, and that they are working to think about, again, the, the unfair burden of cost sharing and all of the other barriers. So it's feeling marginally good in Massachusetts in for Massachusetts. a moment. In Massachusetts, yeah. 
Rachel, uh, did you? Well, let me let me ask this question. Um, uh, we just heard from uh, Kate Glynn from the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Mass. Um, the I, I think that there's, uh, I mean, for some people <laughs> who are like me who are on Twitter, uh, and it's sort of just like a uh, constant barrage of outrage and and exhaustion and panic and so forth. But I think that for a lot of people, the, the removal of the rights of half of the population um, is um, underestimated. Um, and people often don't realize that this is just a tacit form of, ex of violence. And that violence will have an impact. And so um, for the people who are not fortunate enough to live in Massachusetts, I'm just wondering um, what people think of that, that impact will have. Um, how, will, how will this affect uh, people, women in other parts of the, the country? Well, um, thanks, Jeff, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. And thanks to Buzz and Bill and to Kate. It's really nice to, to be here with you. Um, uh, I guess I first just want to, um, you know, note that uh, women aren't the only people who get abortions, um, that there are, you know, anyone with a uterus uh, can have an abortion, and that it's not just um, a gestational parent who is impacted by decision that d decisions that affect child rearing. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it, it, this is not a situation where it's just a single person making a decision, you know, a, a, a child coming into a family can, can affect many lives. Um, and uh, it certainly um, uh, what happens with abortion bans are that people aren't going to stop having abortions. People have People have removed unwanted pregnancies since the dawn of time. They're going to continue to do that no matter the circumstances. What, what the difference now is that people will be forced to seek unregulated, potentially unsafe uh, avenues to do so, and it literally means people are going to die. Right. And the biggest onus is going to be faced by people who can't afford to be flown around to other states. Like, for instance, I don't know, all the Republican politicians and their mistresses and things like that, um, you know, or, or, or their family members. So so it's going to be poor people who who, who are going to die. It's going to be people who, um, you know, people of color, um, trans folks, folks who are already at risk of, of um, not having um, adequate access to health care. These are going to be the people who are um, uh, literally going to die or face serious complications and health concerns because they won't be able to um, have care in, in, um, in uh, public settings. They're going to have to go underground to, to find that type of care. And then if there are any complications, it's going to be very difficult for them to go to a hospital because in going to the hospital, they may end up implicating the person that they went to for assistance with the abortion, and then that person might face criminal charges. So the scheme of who's affected is really, really large, and again, disproportionately is going to harm poor people, people of color, trans folks, um, and, uh, you know, just to um, uh, really underscore that, uh, you know, as people have been saying, abortion bans are racist. Abortion access is economic justice. Um, and so those are the frameworks that, that are important to keep in mind. I think it's important to also um, underscore that this isn't something that's going to happen. This is something that is happening now. Yep. Um, and has been. So it's going to get worse, but it's already here. All right. We're going to keep going with this conversation. You are listening to Afternoon Buzz on WHMP, and we will be right back. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. It be so nice to come home to. 
When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control uh, by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. The Paul Parent Garden Club, every Sunday, 6 to 8 a.m. Brought to you by Weinzick Nursery, locally owned and operated since 1954. Visit Mike, Amity, John, and the rest of the team at Weinzick Nursery, Route 9 in Hadley, and online at weinzicknursery.com. Using WIC is easier than ever. You can use the WIC card instead of checks for your food purchases. WIC is a free nutrition program that helps working families stretch their food budget and make healthy choices. Visit us at mass.gov WIC, brought to you by the Massachusetts Department of Public Health's WIC Nutrition Program. The Food Bank of Western Massachusetts provides healthy food to families and individuals facing hunger in our region. And right now, with food insecurity the highest it's been in recent years, the Food Bank is distributing more emergency food than ever. Learn more about the Food Bank or get support for yourself and your family. Go to foodbankwma.org or call 413-247-9738. The Food Bank of Western Mass, committed to making sure our neighbors have enough to eat and leading the community to end hunger. At the Northampton Survival Center, we believe that no one should choose between paying bills or buying food. En el Northampton Survival Center, creemos que nadie debería elegir entre pagar sus cuentas o comprar alimentos. We supply free groceries for people in 18 Hampshire County communities in a safe outdoor distribution. Proveemos comestibles gratis a personas en 18 comunidades del condado de Hampshire en una distribución segura y al aire libre. For information about grocery pickup or delivery, call 413 586-6564 or visit NorthamptonSurvival.org Para información sobre recogida o entrega de comestibles llame al 413-586-6564 o visítenos en NorthamptonSurvival.org If the challenges of the past year have left you needing help we are here for you Si las dificultades del año pasado lo han llevado a necesitar ayuda estamos aquí para usted Did you know that veterans make up about one-third of America's adult homeless population? Only 3.9 cents of each income tax dollar last year went to veterans' benefits. Ever wonder about where your tax money goes? More information on how your tax money is being spent can be found at nationalpriorities.org. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz and Eisenberg. With Jeff Napolitano giving us all kinds of good news. Right, and we're back. Um, so I have here in the studio Rachel Weber, a local defense attorney, and Kate Glynn from the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Mass, and we're talking about SCOTUS, the Supreme Court's um, overturning of Roe versus Wade and the Dobbs decision. Um, but I, first I want to talk real briefly um, as brief as I can be, about the reaction from the Democratic Party um, starting last Friday, which I was, you know, the I can't really be more disappointed with the Democratic Party, or at least I did not think that I could be, but I was actually shocked that the response was, I mean, there was virtually no response, um, and, and somebody had remarked that it really seemed that 
they definitely had the fundraising email templates prepared, but basically nothing else uh, in response to this decision. So when this decision broke last Friday about uh, Roe versus Wade, um, members of Congress were singing in regard to the gun control bill that they had just um, passed previously, the God Bless America on the steps of the Congressional Building, um, in direct response to finding out about the, the, uh, the, the Roe-Dobbs decision, Nancy Pelosi was reading a poem about is the, that was based on the Israeli invasion of Lebanon, uh, and Biden came out and gave a speech on Friday, and it was, you know, mostly this is bad, blah, 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 and he emphasized two things. One, for protesters to remain peaceful, and the secondly, a declaration that he insisted that he, I hear you, I support you, I stand with you, with no other plan or help or strategy, just telling people to vote. Um, Vice President Harris said uh, in an interview that there's really nothing that can be done at the moment because there's an election in less than 130 days and we need to all focus on electing a pro-choice Congress. Um, this is, again, with a month's notice. Somebody leaked the decision. We knew that this was coming. They knew that this was coming, and they didn't have anything. I will point out that Elizabeth Warren, to her credit, uh, as well as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, um, are the, the two Democrats that are at least out there with ideas and uh, proposals and rallying people. Uh, Warren was talking about you know states putting up rep uh, reproductive rights on the ballot, eliminating the filibuster, and electing two more Democratic senators. AOC has been on fire. She's been in rallies and town halls. She's you know points out this decision is going to kill people. Um, she's been calling for the Hyde Amendment to be repealed. Uh, she's given a step-by-step -step guideline on her uh, social media for skirting the abortion bans if you live in one of the states that have them. Um, she's called for the impeachment of SCOTUS uh, judges. Um, and saying that even that if they, um, after this EP, the EPA ruling that just came out uh, yesterday, where the Supreme Court basically undermined the EPA and the ability to regulate carbon, AOC actually called to either reform or abolish the Supreme Court for sake of life on Earth, um, which is not really hyperbole. Um, the Biden administration, um, none of which, nobody from that, it, the administration had used the term abortion. There's actually a website that, um, that tracks this, did Biden say abortion yet.org. Um, he did say it yesterday, finally. Uh, and he did say that he was in favor of ending the filibuster with, for the purpose of um, enshrining abortion rights. Um, so there's that. But he has said that they're not in favor of uh, expanding the court, they're not in favor of using federal amp for sanctuary services. Um, and I think that Eli Mustel sort of summed this up for me at least in a tweet in which he said that uh, what we're experiencing is not leadership, it is complicity masquerading as helplessness. Um, and so with that, uh, to sort of lay out how we got here, Rachel Weber, um, what, what is it that we're facing or how, you know, how, did, how did this come about? Well, that is a long answer, um, and we have a short period of time. So I just want to say that the culture war that we're currently experiencing, which for at the moment abortion and the anti-abortion movement is the um, uh, you know the leading edge on, is absolutely an intentional political strategy on the part of the conservative right to regain power after the New Deal. 
Um, there was an intentional uh, effort to mimic organizing efforts that had won on the left. And re- what the Republicans figured out is that, okay, the Democrats have unions on the, on the, on, in the ground. Who do we have on the ground? We have churches on the ground. And so this, is, this has nothing to do with religion. And if anyone wants to go toe-to-toe on a biblical exegesis of abortion rights, I am ready. Find me anywhere. I am so happy to do that. Um, you want to talk like ancient Hebrew rules on this stuff? I can. We can do that. Um, so it's, it has nothing to do with religion. Just like during the Cold War, you know, God was against communism, and then suddenly in Trump's presidency, uh, you know, the Christian right is embracing Putin. So you know, it, it, it's 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 a you know, it, it has everything to do with political strategy. Um, so it has nothing to do with religion, um, and it has ev- it. In the 80s, when uh, at the same time the Democrats uh, traded in the working class for corporations, literally having open houses to show corporations that they were friendly to corporations, um, the Reagan administration brought the Christian right into the White House through Ralph Reed, um, and and that's really and they did that for the votes. There's no question that they did it for the votes. So this is a lo- this is part of a long game that the Republicans and the conservatives have been playing for decades, and the Democrats keep pretending that they don't know they're in a game, and so they're losing the long game, they're losing the short game, the game, and even when they have control in all of the houses, somehow they're helpless. Um, and it's not because of uh, a lack of options, as, as, you, as you listed, it's a lack, it is absolutely a lack of will, it is cowardice, and it is a refusal to actually um, get down and dirty and do the work that needs to be done to protect the people on the ground. Um, I also just want to... Um, uh, just in, in uh, echoing uh, what Kate said about how important the Massachusetts statute was protecting um, uh, anyone who aids and abets abortion, that the criminal statutes in other states that can prosecute criminally, that can criminally prosecute folks for assisting in any way with abortions, and that can include donating money, providing rides, things like that, those can extend to people in other states. So this is not a drill. This is happening, and this will continue to happen. So I, I just wanted to say that. So, you know, don't the, the Democrats have are, are they their their heads are in the sand? They're refusing to do the things that they know they need to do. And it's f- you know for uh, Alito in his decision to say, look, the answer is just vote for the uh, representatives. You know you who want. you know who want that is a slap in the face to the people and the communities in this country who have faced racist, restrictive voting uh, laws uh, since you know since the Jim Crow era. Which, by the way, the Department of Justice still has departments entirely devoted to regulating whether or not states are abiding by voting restrictions and uh, Brown versus Board of Education. So it is, it's, you know, there's voting alone is not the answer. Um, what, what the answer, in part, is listening to folks like Kate and people on the ground and what we need to do next. Um, I... The history of the anti-abortion movement is just so fascinating because um, not only is it um, everything that you said, but my, my favorite little nugget about this particular um, movement, which has never been just about abortion at all, um, is in the 60s and 70s when racism, when explicit racism became a um, losing issue for the Republicans. They needed a new they needed a new hot topic. They needed a new way to galvanize um, the religious base that they were building. They had a conference call and they decided abortion. So literally this was a tactic that was decided on a conference call because of racism, because they were like, oh, we can't use that one anymore. Let's let's go again. Um, there's a great podcast called The Lie That Binds, all about the history of the um, anti-choice movement and the reproductive justice movement. Um, fascinating. And it is... Um, 
the the inability of the Democratic Party for decades to, to do anything is just shocking. We have repeatedly seen the Hyde Amendment has been in since 1976. Federal money has been um, been restricted from providing abortion care. This is not new. They have been telling us very explicitly for a very long time that they were going to do this. So the fact that there is only had a month to come up with something is insulting. All right. Kate Glynn from um, the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Massachusetts. Uh, Kate, real quick, how do people contribute, volunteer? They can go to arfwm.org, the Abortion Rights Fund of Western Massachusetts.org. Um, you can donate. Please do. This is one of those times that mon- throwing money at the problem actually does help. We um, actually literally pay for people's abortions. So please throw money, throw money at us, throw money at any other abortion fund around the country. Go to abortionfunds.org to find abortion funds around the country. Um, you can also volunteer. Um, this is, again, throw some money at the problem. It actually goes to get people care. Right. And if folks locally are seeking uh, advice on uh, what direct actions could look like, there are defense attorneys like myself and others who can absolutely uh, assist you with that. So my name is Rachel Weber. You can find me um, at uh, the law office of Rachel Weber on the Internet, and we can, we can uh, get things going on the street. All right. Rachel Weber, Kate Glynn, I'm Jeff Napolitano. You're listening to Afternoon Buzz. We will be back in a minute. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A West Springfield police captain is facing multiple charges for indecent assault. Brian Pomeroy, a 25-year veteran of the police force, is accused of indecent assault and battery against two female co-workers at the Holyoke St. Patrick's Day Parade this year. Pomeroy was already suspended at the time for conduct unbecoming an officer and allegedly stalking a third woman he'd been dating. He will be arraigned July 18th in Holyoke District Court. 35 community health centers statewide will receive grants to continue supporting COVID-19 testing and vaccination efforts. The $12.5 million in funding comes from the Massachusetts League of Community Health Centers. All CHCs that applied will be receiving funds ranging from $120,000 to $450,000. A Von Gittelson, a state employee working as a program specialist for incarcerated people, is seeking to unseat Hampshire County Sheriff Patrick K. Lane in the Democratic primary election. Gittleson says educating inmates is a major part of her campaign. Education reduces recidivism. That's the big, big push. And the Massachusetts legislature has said with criminal justice reform that we need corrections to evolve. The primary election is scheduled for September 6th. Tickets for the three-county fair are now on sale. Advanced discounted tickets are being sold starting today for the 205th event, held from Friday, September 3rd through Monday, September 5th. General admission to the fair is $15 for ages 12 and up. Discount tickets for $12 can be purchased on the fair's website. Hot and dry today with highs in the low 90s. Humidity returns for the holiday weekend with showers and storms Saturday. Some storms could be severe in the afternoon. It looks dry for Sunday and for the 4th of July on Monday. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP. This is Lori Grover, Senior Vice President of the Mortgage Department at Greenfield Savings Bank. This year's Buy in July Mortgage Special is just in time to help counter the recent rise in interest rates. Our Buy in July Mortgage Special offers you an incredible rate that will save you money on your mortgage. If you're in the market for a new home, don't delay because to qualify for your Buy in July Mortgage Special, your application must be received with an executed offer to purchase by July 29th, 2022 and must close before September 30th, 2022. For more information on our Buy in July Mortgage Special, go to our website at 
www.greenfieldsavings.com or call us at 413-775-8200 to speak to one of our mortgage specialists. You can apply online or in person at any of our offices and let the Buy in July savings begin. Greenfield Savings Bank's Buy in July special. Offer good on mortgages for the purchase of owner-occupied one to four family properties or condominiums. Offer is subject to change or cancellation at any time. See bank for complete details. Member FDIC, member DIF, equal housing lender. Greenfieldsavings.com. Hi, it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. As the weather gets warmer, I know many of you are thinking about your summer workout schedule. And if you're like me, it's all about finding work, life, and workout balance, which is why when you sign up at Fitness Together, you'll put a schedule together with your personal trainer that actually works for you, is stress-free, and will help you stay fit, healthy, and balanced. Visit us online today at fitnesstogether.com, Amherst, or Northampton, and sign up for your free consultation. Do you act a certain way around your partner because you're afraid of what they'll think or say? Are you afraid of what they'll do? If you're in a relationship, it's your right to be healthy and safe. If you're experiencing abuse, emotional, verbal, or physical, you have options, and Safe Passage is here to help. It's all free and completely confidential. We are here for you. Call our hotline at 413-586-5066 or visit safepass.org. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back in this Friday afternoon before the long holiday weekend. They talk about um, Independence Day, and uh, it's really hard with what's going on in our nation's capital to, uh, to celebrate independence, because I feel like um, ours is being stripped from us at the same time. We still have lives to lead and kids to raise, and that's why I'm so grateful that once again, we have Kim John Payne, the leading education consultant globally and parenting expert on to talk about a new book called Emotionally Resilient Tweens and Teens, subtitle, Empowering Your Kids to Navigate Bullying, Teasing, and Social Exclusion. How timely is this, given what's been going on in our education system because of COVID and other factors? Hello, Kim, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Buzz. It's nice to be with you again. I uh, I always love talking to you, Kim, on or off the air. But um, this is a really interesting book. Um, you have these 10 inspirational stories in the voice of these young adults who have suffered from bullying and from teasing and from social exclusion. And they came out okay on the other end. So tell me what prompted you to write this book, which you've co-authored with Luis Fernando Yosa, um, who is a writer and a longtime sports coach. <clears throat> tell me what resulted in you writing this book. Yeah, it kind of, uh, it's a companion book, really, to, to the work that I do in schools with something I call social inclusion. Um, in my vanity, I think I invented that name, Buzz, but probably 50 other people <laughs> use it as well. We'll give it the, to you. Um, yeah, but the um, you know schools uh, for the most part uh, have awoken you know to the fact that there's a lot of social issues going going on in the playground in the recess fields corridors and so on and and many schools that is doing their their best 
to set up programs, right, to, to deal with that. Um, and the social inclusion program is, is, is one of those. Like the thing that, the thing that I, I, that prompted the book was that it's almost like setting up a program at school is almost like socially one-handed clapping in the sense that the other side to this is what we as parents can do, care professionals, therapists, but particularly as parents, what we can do to coach our kid to stand within their own power, you know, within and be resilient and, and have the, what really prompted it was, gosh, almost 30 years now of uh, in, in private counseling practice, working with parents and kids who are targeted and um, because schools generally work pretty well sometimes, um, but generally with the kids who are doing the teasing, the bullying, the excluding, the marginalizing. But what we don't, what we do less well in schools is give kids um, the tools they need that the ones that are being targeted. And so um, the book is largely aimed at giving parents the tips and the strategies they need to have their kids break that cycle and stand beside them and maybe a little bit behind them and have the kids go into schools, sports clubs, neighborhoods with the strategies they need to, to, to actually stand stand strong and at the end of the day, literally at the end of the school day, feel like they did it, feel like they did a really good job, feel like they stood their ground, feel like they were they were strong and that this horrible um, teasing or exclusion that's going on is is ending. And, and that's that's what really prompted it so that, that the school are working from their end. But we as parents, I would argue we could be even, we are even a little more effective because it's hard for schools to know what's going on because so much of this is underground, happens around uh, roundabouts. It's it's difficult for, for teachers to, to catch it. Well, th- that's a, a child, this is what I found really interesting, Kim, not to cut you mm-hmm. off, but um, sure. when I read part one of this book, for those who haven't seen it, um, and the book is called Emotionally Resilient Tweens and Teens by Kim John Payne, our guest today, and Luis Fernando Yosa. Part one is really advice to parents and is broken down into the do's and don'ts of uh, for parents who, uh, who believe that their kids are victimized by, as you said, social exclusion, bullying, taunting, etc. What's interesting is... Usually, as parents, this is what we were taught to do, to say, stand up for yourself, or don't fight, walk away, or to just sort of try to fix it with one sentence or two sentences to the kids. That's not what you're telling parents in this book, is it? Yeah, it's, you know, the advice of of just ignore it or walk away is not necessarily bad advice. It's just incomplete. It's, it's not walking away. It's how you walk away. It's not ignoring it. It's how you ignore it. And what the, what I've, you know, gathered over the, over the years is giving kids the tools so they can walk away. But before they do that, they, 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 um, and the key to this and much of the book, as you probably saw, Buzz, is about, is about understanding that a lot of, um, a, a lot of what goes on and I use the term bullying because we all know what that means, but interchangeably, I use the term hyper-controlling. Kids who are bullying, teasing, actually what they're doing is hyper-controlling. You know, they're trying to control other kids. 
And what the what a lot of the stories in the book are about, like real life stories, um, are about is understanding that what a kid who's excluding and teasing you is doing, and as a parent, what you can help your own children understand is that there is that if you react and if you um, fight back, you get mad, you shout, you you try, you know, all the things, and you do try it, and your kids can try and do that really courageously, and good good for them that they tried it, but actually if they react in, the, in, in a variety of ways like that, what they're doing is actually disempowering themselves, and they're giving, their reactivity is actually feeding the kids who are excluding them. And this and the book what the book does is it gives a whole bunch of empowering alternatives to um, to not giving oxygen to the fire. Yeah, I do want to after we take a break, I want to come back and talk about part two of your book, which is and includes ten inspirational um, stories in the actual voice of the the kids who have tried to figure out how to react to bullying and social exclusion. Um, and I, I loved that part of it, but I'm still focused on parenting. I mean, you, you talk about cyber bully, bullying and other types of bullying, but you really want to show the kids that you're there for them. And that's what your advice is in this book, is how do you demonstrate to your kids that you're really there? I just want to add before I leave you to comment on that is my kids one of these forever one of the criticisms is I always want to try to fix things. And now they're both educators who are grown and in their 50s, and they say you don't want to try to fix things for your kids. You want to give them the support and the information necessary so they can fix things for themselves. That's what makes for a healthy child. Um, and based on your book, I think you agree with that, right? You know, it's a yes, exactly. It's a, it's an absolute sort of instinct that when our kid comes home saying, "Dad, they're picking on me. They're not including. They're pushing me around. They're taking my stuff. They're calling me names. They're not. Le- they're not letting me be a part of the team, and so on, and so on." Our first instinct is to is to protect our kids, and that's okay, and that's perfectly reasonable. What I'm tr- what I'm talking about, and what I write about in the book is is how do you get beyond that? The first instinct is fine, but then w- to give the kids the tools so that it, so that they get in the car when you pick them up or get off the bus and they say hey mom i i did it i i really did it i stood up to them today i stood my ground and i did it you see you want you want that's what you want them to feel i did it not you went to the school and made a complaint. I mean, that's that's okay too. I'm not saying that's, that's wrong. But giving our kids the tools so that they they can do this because in later life, they will use that tool over and over and over in all kinds of other situations. Indeed. We are talking with Kim John Payne, a leading, globally leading education consultant and parenting expert who together with uh, Louise Yosa has uh, written a book called Emotionally Resilient Tweens and Teens. We're going to take a break and return to our conversation with Kim John Payne right after these messages. Stay with us. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. This is the Afternoon you Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. 
Hey everyone, Gordon Oliver here. I am privileged, along with my co-pilot Tina Marie, to gather and share a community of people, organizations, and experts who are making a difference in improving and positively impacting the financial lives of others. Financial peace of mind is a marathon, not a sprint, so we're cutting through the clutter to help you attain or continue to attain financial freedom. If you like entertaining and informative facts, then you'll love this week's show with writer William Henry of FirstLightFacts.com with little-known facts that are Independence Day approved. This Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on WHMP. We are talking random whites. Every Friday morning, Monty visits the wine snobs to talk about wine at State Street. This is from a company called La Pere. Gros Monsang. Grow, apparently. When you see it written, it looks like you're drinking something called Gros Monsang. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's Grow. In the past, has mostly been relegated to bulk wine or distilling grapes for brandy. Petit Monsang, which I think means like little guy, and Gros Monsang means big guy. It almost has like a dessert wine feel to it. It's susceptible to botrytis, so they do make sweet wines. This it's like it almost might have that, which is like, it's essentially, they call it Noble yeah, Rock, it, which is my next yeah. band so name. Don't steal it. We, we, so mentioned, weird. we mentioned it was a brandy grape, and this wine does taste like a brandy. Yeah. Drink this before dinner. Maybe drink it after dinner. Because it's a brandy-ish kind of feel yeah, to it. This yeah, is a unique it's one. very different. 1899, it is organic grapes and certified organic. What's the name of this one again? La Perre. Find your favorite wine and your next favorite wine at State Street. Forbes Library is Northampton's public library with an amazing circulating collection of over 325,000 items including bestsellers, recent releases, tons of movies, large print books, ebooks, audiobooks, and an extensive collection for kids and teens featuring board books, picture books, chapter books, and graphic novels. The library even has musical instruments that you can borrow. You can search the library's catalog online at ForbesLibrary.org, and while you're there, you can request a card and place items on hold. The library's website is also a great place to find out about upcoming programs and events which are always free and open to the public. We have story times, book clubs for kids, teens, and adults, poetry discussions, film discussions, author talks, concerts, movies for grown-ups, and so much more. Visit ForbesLibrary.org for more information and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with all the latest happenings. It's your library. Make the most of it. What if there were a way to go into cancer surgery or treatment feeling more comfortable and optimistic? Recorded meditations can help. Doctors have said that it makes their job simpler. Nurses tell us their patients may go home sooner and need less pain medication. Cancer Connection creates custom meditations for people affected by cancer, and you don't even have to come in. Go to cancer-connection.org to learn more or donate today. Cancer Connection relies on local donations to make its services free of charge. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with counselor, educator, researcher, consultant Kim John Payne, who for years he's, he's um, promoted and fostered and developed a notion of simplicity parenting. Um, it is uh, consistent with his um, theory of parenting, his view of parenting is Emotionally Resilient Tweens and Teens, a book that he has just recently been released that he's co-authored with Luis Fernando Yosa, who himself is a writer and a longtime sports coach. So, um, Kim, I loved part two. Not that I didn't think number uh, part one, which was sort of advice to parents, 
was important. And maybe at the end of the day, that's really what we could pull out of this book. But I loved all the kids' voices about what happened to them and how they handled it. Can you tell us a little bit about how you arrived at that and why that's an important part of the book? Yeah, working as a school counselor, as I did for over 20 years, I realized that that, that one of the most powerful um, teaching tools is story teaching. Um, and it just connects us. It's universal, and it carries so many levels. So when we sat down to write this book, we were determined to actually include real-life stories. Because I work with schools all over the world, we actually, um, there was a couple of schools, um, particularly one in California, that have a student social action committee that get out, get out there, they get involved in the playground, they get involved in disputes, they get involved in, in helping little kids um, who, are, who are not doing so well at school. Anyway, they're eighth graders. And so we spoke with them and we, we narrowed it down to 10 hot exclusion topics. And then Luis and I would go away and we'd write some, some, some text. We'd bring it back to them. They'd comment on it. We'd take it away. We'd edit. We'd bring it back to them. It was, a, it was really interesting collaborating with 30, uh, 14-year-olds on this, on this project at the Ellis Burney School in Sacramento in California. Well, what each story tries to do is that it, is it, it, it actually sets up a, a sort of a narrative arc of, first of all, empathizing with a kid, that they're, they're clueless. They don't know why. Why am I being picked on? Why am I being excluded? Why is this happening to me? And uh, the stories, most of them begin there. And then they, um, the, 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 the kid tries to, to either fight back or argue back or walk away or ignore it or you know, avoid it. And, and each, each story shows why that that wasn't particularly it was courageous but it didn't work and then there's a pivot and the, and the pivot is a realization it often it comes through conversations with an older cousin you know with a, a parent with a coach with a, there's all kinds of people in a kid's life and all these stories are true they're not made up um, and they learn how to break the cycle of reactivity they put those learnings into action and things really change and it isn't just in you know sort of like a kind of hollywood inspirational stuff for the sake of it these are these are true and like usually kids who who wake up to breaking the cycle of reactivity and have the tools that they need usually that cycle breaks in about seven to ten days it doesn't go on much longer than that even with cyberbullying so each one of these stories takes, you know, some of them take malicious rumors and the whole piece about don't let anyone put you on the witness stand. Don't allow anyone to disempower you and feel like you're being cross-examined. Um, there's malicious rumors. There's cyberbullying in three or four of the cases. There's friendship exclusion where you get excluded from, from fr- friendships that you didn't even know about and then you find out. And there's physical bullying being pushed around, interference with property. Basically, all the, all the 10 hot topics that these kids... And, and one of them is... A new kid. I'm a new kid in school, and and therefore I'm being picked on. Um, yeah, not fitting in and being pushed out, and and or giving too much power to actually needing to fit in. So so you disempower yourself um, and do stuff you don't want to do and accept being treated in a certain way um, because you want to be a part of a group. These were all the topics that the kids identified and that resounded with Louise and I. And then the end of the stories, as you probably saw, both each one of them ends, in, and it they end up on a positive note. On a positive note. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because they do break the cycle. So I guess what I'd like from you, I mean, not, um, I'm lucky enough to have seen the book, but a lot of the parents who may be listening have not. The book is all about giving parents a vital, proactive sort of strategy to help build stronger family relationships and trust and a connection with their children. Can you sort of lay out a how-to for parents in terms of your theory of what makes for resilient kids emotionally? Yeah, sure. Like if your kid comes home tonight and says, Mom, they're picking on me, they're leaving me out, One of the, there's, there's three or four key steps. And just to sort of lay them out at kind of a slightly higher altitude, but just it's totally doable. The first thing to do is just, is just be a big heart with ears. Just listen to them just because most kids underreport until they're very sure that you're not going to get weird on them, you know, that you're not going to embarrass them, you're not going to overreact. So the first thing to do is just stay slightly neutral and encouraging and just and, and let them unpack the story. Um, the second thing is that when they unpack the story, let them know that you know that, 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 that they've been courageous, that they've really tried hard to break this cycle, but there's, a, there's, there's something they really need to know, and it's a bit of a secret, and you, and you can tell them what it is. I've never had a kid say, no, I don't want to know what that secret is. You know, the, so and tell them, look, the secret is if they're not teasing you about being skinny, about being overweight and round, about the, the, you know, the way you look, the fact you've got glasses, the way you speak. They're teasing you to get a reaction and get control over you. With little kids, like seven, eight, nine-year-olds, the language I use, don't let them, they're doing it to be the boss of you. With older kids, I talk about, you know, they're, they're controlling you. And the way you're reacting and, and trying to get them to stop, and good for you that you did love, but it, it's actually empowering them. It's disempowering you, and it's empowering them. And there's and that's the second part of it. The third part of it is to say, you can break this cycle. And kids will say, well, how? You know, I've tried it. And the third part of it is to say, you need to say to them things like, and I'll, I'll give a few examples um, that kids have, come up with in the past is, is to say to a kid who's, let's say they're calling them names, because a lot of physical bullying begins with name calling. Let's say they're calling names is to say, you, you can say that, I can't stop you. And they'll say, well, yeah, you can't. I say, yeah, I know. You can say that, I can't stop you. You can go ahead. I, I wish you wouldn't, but I can't stop you. If a child is coached to say that and practices it and you come in alongside them and help them actually learn their lines like they would be in a play, it feels kind of weird at first, but then they get it. And then when they're teased next time and they say, you can say that, I can't stop you. You only have to do that three or four times in a row before the kids who are teasing just realize, oh, the game is up. This kid's not reacting. And what's also really important and really heartening is that other kids are watching this go on. There's the, there's the, there's the bystanders, right? Now, they are seeing your child stay within their own power, within their own space, standing up to these kids. And they want to come closer. And a lot of kids, just countless numbers of them over the years have said, doing this made me friends. Kids who are backing off me because they didn't want to get in the firing line start now wanting to be with me. Mm. How 
fulfilling that would be for a kid. They feel strong. They feel great. And they did it. But the end result, and you mentioned this before, Buzz, and I'm glad you picked this up in the book, is that at, you know, at the end of the week or two weeks of doing this, not only has your child broken the cycle, but you've gotten really close to your kid. You, you, you're more connected. Celebrating birthdays is great, doing really nice things together. But when we really connect with our kids is when we help them through problems like this and give them the tools that they need. That's what really strengthens a relationship. I think that's the operative term, give them the tools that they need so that they can do it themselves, not rely on you to hop in your car and go yell at another fifth grader on behalf of your child. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's, and, and I love your metaphor, be a heart with ears. Um, not the easiest thing to do at all times when your kid is, you feel like you're the, your kid's protector, but um, an important role to play in all relationships, right? Well, you see, when this is going on at school or in a sports club or in the neighborhood, you know, it, it's it's really important to, to know what you can control and what you can't. And you can't control the other kids who are picking on your kid. You just That's can't. right. And we have you, to learn that. You, Unfortunately, we're out of time. And I love stopping there. You can't control other kids. You have to give your kids the tools so they could become emotionally resilient. That's the name of the book, Emotional, Emotionally Resilient Tweens and Teens, Empowering Your Kids to Navigate Bullying, Teasing, and Social Exclusion by Kim John Payne and Luis Fernando Yoso. Thank you so much for being with us, Kim. Everybody else, have a, have a great holiday weekend. You too, Kim. And... Um, We'll talk to you on Tuesday, on Monday at 4 o'clock. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. It be so nice to come home to. We speak not of the princes and prelates and periwig charioteers riding triumphantly laureled to lap the fat of the years. Rather, we speak of the maimed, of the halt, of the blind in the rain and the cold, Of these shall my songs be fashioned and tales be told. And we do that every day at 9 o'clock. Get in on the conversation. Bill Newman. Weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. The Food Bank of Western Massachusetts. The only live and local talk in the valley and for the valley. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group station. It's 5 o'clock.